Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash Raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you. Not fallen into victimhood. And if you've ever been in a victimhood, you step out of it. And that's how you claim a power. And this is what I teach people to do. Activate the soul and literally rise up from the ashes like, like a phoenix because that's, that is what is close to my heart. My guest today is Barbara May. Barbara is the founder of I Can Hear You, a series of workshops teaching meditation and mindfulness to children. Good morning, Barbara. Thank you so much for joining me on Coaching Call. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good morning. And thank you so much for having me. Definitely my pleasure. I definitely want to talk to you because you work with children, right? And I I also work with children, but I also work with adults of all ages. Let's go, before we get into what you're actually doing nowadays, let's go back to when you were a child and who influenced you? What was your childhood like? Mm -hmm. Um, Great question. Um, So I have been very lucky because I have been brought up in a very artistic environment. Both of my parents um, are artists. Um, I wouldn't say that it was bohemian lifestyle, if that makes sense, but it was all about freedom, free expression, music, animals, colours, feelings, emotions, just like literally, literally everything. So I have been, I have been brought up the way you would call it now, mindful right. way of um, upbringing. So that's. That's that's me. <laughs> so I have been very, very, very fortunate. And I believe that I've chosen my parents um, on a soul level. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here right now if I didn't have that upbringing. When you say you chose your parents, do we really get a chance to choose? I believe we do. Yeah, I believe on a soul level. I believe that we do. We are made out of energy, all of us. And I believe that there are certain lessons what we need to learn here. Everyone's got different lessons. And I believe that we choose the environment. We choose the, we choose the, the parents, the, the nest. <laughs> we choose the nest. So you're, you're telling me that people who are abused as a child by their parents, they choose their parents too? Is that the lesson they need to learn? Well, that's very interesting that you it is. <laughs> said that because I do believe I do believe that they they have they have chosen they have chosen their parents. However, I don't believe, or I am not one hundred percent sure that the circumstances they were going through or they are going to go in the future those are the ones they have chosen. But yes, I do believe they have chosen their parents. Very interesting. I mean, I wouldn't have changed anything about my life, and no matter what I went through. But it's 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 interesting to say that because, you know, when we look at children who are abused, children who are, I mean, the woman here in the United States who drowned her own kids, who did those kids choose her? You know, so you say we choose our environment. Do we choose to go into or choose our parents who are rich, 
choose our parents who are poor, choose our parents who didn't want a child, but it was an accident, as people say. So you're saying we choose all that? Yes, I do. And at the end of the day, when you look at it from a soul point of view, and I think this this is a very good way of looking at it, everything around us, it's like all these materialism, okay? If it's the um, the expensive car, or expensive house, or um, small flat, what does it give us to? Okay, why is it so important? Is it important because we wanted to make it important or is it because it's been made important by society? Mm. You know, when it comes to um, degrees, I'm not saying that degrees are not important. Of course, they're very important, especially when it comes to doctors and surgeons and et cetera. But um, the life experience and those experiences are the ones which shape us, okay? So I am not saying that... um, um, I believe that we have chosen the life we have chosen. I would have not been here right now talking to you if I haven't had the life I had. If there is someone who's an activist, somebody who's fighting for children's rights, somebody who's against the children's sexual abuse, and you can dive in deeper into this if you want to, Um, that person wouldn't be doing that work and wouldn't be protecting those children if the person haven't experienced certain events in a past life or haven't witnessed um, some kind of abuse and et cetera. And I don't know because I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist, so I can't dive deeper into that on to that level. But, um, but yes, um, I, I believe that everything what we have been shown mm-hmm. and the way how we've been brought up has shaped us so we will get the chance to become the ones to help others. <laughs> I yeah. hope that makes sense. I know I paused there a little bit, but no, I had to think about it, how to word it correctly. No, that's fine because it, it, it gives me a new perspective. I never thought that we chose the life we wanted in, in a way, right? Because I've always thought that we don't choose our parents. We don't choose our brothers, our sisters, but we can make the best of it. That's my, that's my theory, my thought. But now you've given me new perspective. So thank you for that. Um, it's something to, to really think about because no matter what has happened in my life that I had no control of, the minute I was able to take control of my life, then the choices I made are my own. But when someone, as a, when I was a child and someone decided something for me, I had no choice in the matter. So I had to deal with it and handle it the best that I could, even though I couldn't change the outcome. So now you, it, you've given me a, a bigger perspective as to how I should look at my childhood as well. <laughs> so thank you for that. You're very welcome. I think um, you can touch up on domestication and you can touch up on, obviously, when we when we are born and we have the families and we live in a certain environment, if it's a poor environment or whatever, um, it's all about being resilient. And so many of those children, so many of the people who are listening probably didn't have the advantage um, and they were not brought up in a um, calm, um, balanced environment. However, I think this life purpose we live in and like, in this world, I live here. I believe that we are here to find the way how to connect to our soul, how to activate the power within us, because we all can have it. Mm-hmm. You know, there is so much power in 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 learning and in searching, and so many people choose the victimhood. Right. Okay, I haven't had the choice. Um, of course. I couldn't study and blah, 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 blah. Well, nobody said that you cannot take the course right now. Mm. It's never too late, right. you know. Or, um, oh, I I could never, um, I don't know, go on a holiday overseas. Well, the day has got 24 hours. You've got 12 hours when you sleep. You've got 12 hours when you're awake. If you do what you love or even like, pick up extra job, make a plan, do the time management, you will be able to make this money 
to go overseas and make those dreams come true. Mm-hmm. So I believe that we are, we are the masters. Mm. We are the leaders of our lives. And falling into the victimhood, me, poor me, it doesn't get you anywhere. I hope that makes sense. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. You, you know, you've really given me some thought here because I'm wondering also if, if the kids who they were born and the parents abandoned them immediately after they were born, because that's a totally, they don't even know who their parents are, right? Let's go into who else influenced you in your, in your childhood. Were there any, any mentors, any, anyone that you looked up to besides your parents? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. I think the main, um, the main people were my parents because I'm not saying that I have been isolated, but I have been living in, in an environment where my parents were working from home. Okay, we had a big garden, we had rabbits, chickens, you name it. Nice. And that was, the, that was my playground. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really get in contact. We had loads of people coming in because obviously they were buying art and stuff. A lot of people coming into the house, but I don't really remember um, being put in front of somebody else, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, grandparents. And, and it was very, very, very strong family foundation. Mm-hmm. So I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. So later on when you decided, what made you go into what you're doing today? Was there an influence? Did you search it out on your own? Did it just... Was it a coincidence or was there a special moment that made you turn your life into what it is today? I've always been a very spiritual person. I've always been um, able to read energy. I always, um, the emotional level, you know, like the feelings and emotions were just so strong um, for me. I could, I could read the music and that's what I always wanted to do. Mm. I have been told, and this is what I have been taught my parents as well, by my parents parents was that you need to go to school you need to get the diploma you need to you need to prove something but it was always about proving something to society and proving something to somebody else this is something what I wasn't aware of until until later in my life um I started university I studied um, film production and management and I realized what am I doing here this is something what I'm doing for somebody else and I'm definitely not doing it for myself and and it's not making me happy at all. So I was thinking, what is it that I want to do? What is it that makes me happy? And that was the spirituality. Um, I have done an acting degree. I have worked with some incredible um, actors. I worked behind the scenes. I um, played in a theatre. But always had this feeling, I am here to please somebody else. I am here to be judged by a, by, um, a director. Or, do you know what I mean? Like somebody, somebody is here to decide if I am good enough or not. Mm. Okay. And I hated it. Right. I hated the fact that I was in a room with people who looked very similar like me. And I was waiting for the time to be told if I am good enough. Absolutely hated it. So I think that was that was a huge breaking point um, in my life. So then I started working behind the scenes because obviously I needed to earn the money. So right. um, so I got jobs um, in behind the scenes, as I said before. And then I just decided, I said, okay, no, it doesn't work this way. I need to do what I like to do. So I started doing my podcast. I started um, teaching people about spirituality. Um, I started doing my own courses. Um, coaching people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, probably not being judged will be the right answer. I hate it to be judged and just feel that I'm not free of choice. That, that, that had to be very, not only just rewarding, but very freeing, right? Like you felt freedom. Once you realize that you don't want to be judged, because in reality, nobody wants to be judged. Mm-hmm. But we are judged every day, whether we want to or not, right? So what made you decide? To you said you started helping people, but then you narrowed it down. What what people do you help now? So um, so obviously teach about spirituality. Mm-hmm. I have been reading cards and I have been reading energy. So that's something what I've always been doing, and that's something what people always came to me, being friends and families. They always ask me for an advice because I have this ability that I'm able to read the energies. Mm. And um, and then it kind of went into 
into coaching, I learned stuff which I was interested in and suddenly I worked like this magnet and like people start coming to me and started to ask me about the stuff which I have just learned or it was just incredible. And I think that's that's kind of the point over here. If you do something what you love, it can be literally anything, it can be a freaking gardening, whatever you want, <laughs> walls, <laughs> decorating you will start feeling so happy and you will start feeling this content feeling. And when you have that, like, it's like your soul will activate, your body will activate and you will work like this magnet and it's just going to attract people to you because they will see that you weren't happy. (laughs) Right. And they want to know why you weren't happy and they will resonate with you. And some of them won't resonate with you, but if they resonate with you, they will want to know how did you do that? And they will realize, oh yeah, I might be interested in. So, is that something you can help me with, or tell me how to how to get there, mm-hmm. where you where you at? So, I think overall, the most important thing for everyone, and I think this is what um, what many people forget because they are domesticated and because they are affected and influenced by society, is that we need to do things what we love. And I'm not telling you end your job right now. Stop, stop being a surgeon or stop being right, a, right. a driver. Absolutely not. But I'm saying the day has got, the day, the daylight day has got probably approximately 12 hours. And in those 12 hours, if you manage the time correctly, you can fit in the things which you love and the things which you always want to do and mm-hmm. stop looking for excuses and step out of the victimhood. Yeah. One of the things that you said was resonate, right? if they resonate with you. And I'm 100% with that because some people just automatically resonate. You feel the energy. And, and I, I can feel somebody's energy, whether it's warmth, cold, whether they, they're in touch or they're out of touch. That, that's very important. Can I ask you, how did you learn to read tarot cards? Okay, so I think that is something what um, everyone has within them. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody can learn, anybody can learn it. What I always say is that, um, like, you know, back in the day when we didn't know how to read, we had the books with pictures, tarot cards are pictures. The picture tells a story. So you need to look at a picture and, um, and, and read the picture. Mm. It's as simple as that. Really? Okay. Obviously you can dive into the books and you can read about the meanings and all that kind of stuff. The tarot cards have got hidden symbols palace which represents um certain things like for example there is pomegranate so back in a day pomegranate um when we had a pomegranate in paintings it represents a fertility so if we're talking about the idea and talking about fertility it's um it's like there is so many ideas mm. it's a fantastic time to start idea um sorry it's a it's a fantastic start, um, it's a fantastic time to start a new project or something like that when you see pomegranate so you just have to learn how to how to read those symbols but even though if people don't know how to learn those symbols when you look at the card and when you look at the picture you are and everybody is able to do that you are able to read the feeling out of it okay so you can say okay this man looks grumpy right Uh, oh this woman this woman looks happy oh this cart does not make me feel good because it's too dark or oh wow there is a lot of water in so mm, it feels a bit emotional you know water represents emotions and etc my mum had a tarot cards and they were in german language and i could not read them because obviously i wasn't able to read german and i was looking at the looking at the pictures and that's how i learned it and then I, I applied it and I realized, oh my goodness, I got it <laughs> because I did it the other way around rather than following the book right. and reading it. So you were by feeling, right? Yeah. Right. We, we all can do it. Yeah. Yeah. We all can do it. I had my, my, my cards read once by one of my girlfriend's mom and she was German. So it was pretty interesting. You're working with children now. Why did you choose to work with children? Because they are our future. <laughs> they are, absolutely. If you want to save the world, if you want to fix something, you have to start with children because that's where the beginning is. And that's, yeah, make them resilient. Yeah. They're so impressionable, right? Mm. 
especially between the ages, I guess, of one and seven, six, around there, they are so open to learning. This is why a child can learn different languages, and it's harder for an adult to do so. When you work with children, you're teaching them exactly what? So, first of all, I would say they are not open. All of them are not open to learning. Mm. Um, they are interested. Ah, there you go. Okay. Okay. Because, <laughs> because not all of them are open to, <laughs> into it. Um, so, what I do is mindfulness and meditation. So, gratitude practice. Um, I have created this course um, for children. And, um, and it's literally, we start with a topic. So we, for example, have a topic, is this a feeling? And we do songs about feelings. We talk about the feelings. Um, we do a little meditation, guided meditation, enhance the uh, creativity using loads of, uh, loads of artwork. I talk about gratitude practice, mm-hmm. breathing techniques, right. and et cetera. So I just, I just wanted to implement this um, because it's so important that children are aware of their feelings, aware of their bodies, and aware of what is going on around. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the gratitude practice is so powerful. Right. Yeah. I, I get what you say when, when I said open and you said that they're, they're interested. I guess there is two different things, right? Because open means that you're willing to take anything in. And so what I meant by open was that they're observing, they're listening. That's what I meant by open. Because they're learning how to speak. They're learning how to walk. They emulate the adults around them or other kids. So that's what I meant by open. But I I appreciate by you telling me that they're interested in certain things. And you're right. Boys would easily play with dolls if they were allowed to, right? If they had them, if they had sisters, they would play with dolls. Girls would pay, play with trucks and cars if they had brothers or if someone gave it to them. So they are all interested if it's available too, right? Absolutely. W- one of the things that I have a lot of parents who bring their kids to me because I teach martial arts. They bring them because maybe they're shy. They have low muscle tone. They have, they start hitting. They, they, they're not doing, maybe they need to get stronger at and some things they need to not do. So why do parents and how do parents find you? So two questions there. How do they find you and why do they bring them to you? Mm-hmm. Good question. So, um, so I've been teaching at schools. Mm-hmm. And um, and the nurseries. So um, the ages are from three and a half up, pretty much. And like you can find if if some if there is a parent who is looking for a mindful classes or a meditation for children, they can just type it into the Google and the website will come up. Mm. But how they found me is that I just literally posted my website on um, on a Facebook Facebook groups and that's how the ball got rolling because um, first of all, it's very trendy right now. Mm. Second of all, it's so important um, for children to have those classes because there is so much stress and anxiety and tummy pains. And they don't know why the tummy pains are happening and that is due to incorrect breathing. It's, you know, right, because mm-hmm. you... Parents are looking, they, they want to find um, options for their children. They want to help them um, to be resilient. You know, sometimes I get parents who want certain things for their kids, but the kids don't want it. How do, how do you deal with that? Never, ever force anybody into anything. Mm-hmm. I had a group of children, I think it was, I believe it was about three or four little boys, and one was committed every single week, was doing all the exercises. And then one day he just said he doesn't want to do it. Mm. And it's absolutely fine. Do you know what I mean? If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. If When we started singing his songs, he observed and he just jumped in because he was just thinking, you know, children love music. Right. They just respond to it very well. But as soon as there was another exercise um, he didn't enjoy or he has done many times, just didn't want to do it. And that's absolutely fine. That's why those classes, um, when, when we talk about younger children, they should not go forever. Mm-hmm. They should go for about seven weeks max, and there needs to be a break because those seven weeks already has a huge 
influence on them. So it doesn't have to, you know, you go like, oh yeah, I've been doing meditation and mindfulness for two years. They're not going to do it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And when it comes to the older children is, is again, um, it's more about talking to them about things, how they feel. And the older children, they like talking about themselves. Yeah which is great because that's what they need to do. They will never do it with their parents. They'll do it with their friends, but, you know, they wouldn't do it. So many kids are so shy, right? Because mm-hmm. they somehow, either society or the environment they're in, says that all parents encourage their children to learn to speak, and they're happy when they say their first words. But later on, the kids are talking so much, the parents are usually telling them, be quiet, be quiet. So. Some kids interpret it as, I'm not worthy of saying whatever it is, and they become quiet. They become quiet almost all the time, especially in public. Maybe at home, because it's more comfortable, they'll, they'll talk, they'll scream, they'll do all these things. But when they come out in public and they're in a new environment, they're very shy. They don't talk, and they, their head is down, they're looking down, so they're, they're scared. So how do you deal with when you see a child come into your class, who is like that? Firstly, I think you have to identify why mm-hmm. there are that way. And I believe personally that it's due to being shamed by parents and by the environment. So if there is a child um, at home and is clumsy and constantly dropping things on the floor or it can't get dressed quick enough or something or it is um, slow eater and her parents can absolutely adore and love the child. I'm not saying they don't, but they are shaming their child. That way the child will be quiet because it will, it will be scared to go to full expression because it will be worried that the full expression will be too clumsy for somebody. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I think that is something what, um, what needs to be identified. And obviously there are so many other, other, uh, other reasons why, why the child will be shy. Um, so I would probably deal with it in a way that, um, a lot of compliments. I will let the child speak, encourage it, the child speak, and then ask the other children to comment on it and what they thought about it to kind of create that safe environment. And it's okay to say stuff you know mm-hmm. very important over here is to listen that the child is aware that you are listening right. listening to it and yeah providing the safe environment mm-hmm. for a child but it is very common thing oh yeah i think most yeah you, you see it everywhere you can see it on a posture you know on the body language and things like that right. even when they're bullied at school mm-hmm. one of the things that i encourage parents is to allow their children to fail because if if they step in every single time their child fails the child will always avoid anything that's going to be failure right if if a parent runs to a child every time the child falls and picks them up the child will say well when they fall they're like oh mom or dad they have me they're going to pick me up and then if their parent is not there then they become afraid but i think initially Yes, all parents, you know, when the baby's starting to walk and the child falls, they rush and they pick them up. So for me, it's more like, let's let them see if they can pick themselves up. And if they can't, then I'll pick them up, right? So a lot of times in the martial arts, kids get scared and that's okay, right? But we have to let them be able to understand what they're going through. If we don't give them a chance, then they'll never know. So I always encourage parents to, like if their child is sparring, right? When they put on gloves and they're going against each other and all of a sudden they start to cry, the parents want to rush over. And I'm like, no, I, I put my hand out. I said, no, stop for a second. Let's give it a minute. Let me, let me help them. And so I go over and I tell the child, are you okay? Did it hurt? How bad is it? So I communicate with them so they understand. I say, can you go on? I always ask them that question. Can you continue? Do you feel that you can? And if they say no, I say, why? So I'm always questioning the child because they're stronger than we give them credit for. Mm. 
But as parents, we want to cuddle them. We want to, you know, hold on to them and protect them from everything. But I, I think they'll, they'll learn more resiliency if we allow them that failure. What are your thoughts on that? I absolutely agree with you. And I think this is, this is not the child's problem. This is the parent's problem because this is where yeah, when parent is um, reflecting their childhood onto onto their child. Like, um, for instance, um, there is a mum, she has been bullied at school and um, abused very badly. And she is paranoid that her child's going to get abused and bullied. Okay. The thing over here is that the mum absolutely loves the child and providing uh, the child with a very safe environment and love, um, which makes the child resilient. So there is a very unlikely chance that the child that the child will be bullied in the future. Mm-hmm. The mum keeps bringing it in. Right. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. So so I think that is I think that is very that is very important to tell that um, the childhood your child is having is not the childhood you had. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I agree with you. Reassurance. And let them decide, let them talk, let them tell you, yes, I'm okay. No, I'm not okay because they have the right to tell you. A lot of times I've had a lot of parents, you know, I meet the child for the first time, they're hiding behind the parent's leg and that's very common. So one of the things I also do is because I'm six foot one, a child is like, you know, two foot six or whatever, three feet tall, whatever. I don't stand up when I, I greet a child. I always get down so we have eye level. Yeah. So we can see each other eye level. And then all of a sudden they see me because otherwise they're looking at a giant, this scary looking person. And it doesn't matter who it is, but people don't realize that children see the world a little bit differently because they're looking from a lower place. So if we get down and we say, hey, I'm, a, I'm at your level. We can communicate. So communication is very big, and it's also the way we do it, right? Eye contact, body language. Everything that we do to communicate and to express our feelings to other people are very important. And children pick up on that really quick. One of the things is I kind of like, as soon as I see a child hiding behind a mom, I get down to the the ground. I kind of like make fun. I like, I'll, I'll move my head over and I go, can you see me now? And then, so I, now I'm hiding behind them. <laughs> and the kids, now it became a game. So that's how I start to pull them out, to let them know, hey, I'm okay with you. And you, and you could be okay with me too. And look, even your mom is going to give me a high five. Because I'll say to the child, give me a high five. They don't want to do it. I go, okay, mom's going to give me one or dad's going to give me one. And all of a sudden, the kid starts realizing that mom or dad think that this person is okay. Because one of the things that we've taught, I, I hope all parents do teach, children is don't speak to strangers, right? Which is a good thing to learn. But then we also have to, in return, say, don't speak to strangers unless I give you permission to. Because a child hears that, don't speak to strangers. And when they meet someone, that's a stranger, I should not talk to them. And the parents don't realize that they should say, unless I give you permission to talk. And the parent can say, you know what, you can talk to him or you can talk to her. Because they're there. So the child is hiding behind the parent's leg or the parents are always holding him up because that's comfort. It's comfort for the child, but it's truly comfort for the adult, right? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Again, what you said, you have, na- uh, you have hit the nail on the head. It's all about the communication. The fact that somebody is 30, 25 years younger than you, it doesn't mean that... It doesn't have a right to be told or spoken to. Like it's, it's still little human. They are yeah. <laughs> yes. the children. Like honestly, the first thing I'm going to say that being a parent is probably the hardest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And um, and there is a joke um, that all the parents in seventies got given the same manual or whatever. They haven't. I wish they did. Um. <laughs> I wish that I wish that manual has been reprinted. You know, <laughs> or or um it's it's so hard it's so hard to to figure it out because every single child is unique and every single child has got a different needs and if you do something which you will do with a different one you can cause a huge damage so mm-hmm. you just have to be a really good psychologist and 
uh, to answer your question, communication, communication, communication. Do you like this? You know, would you want to do this? Or no, why don't you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you happy to go on that play date? That's fine. You don't have to go. If you don't want to, it's absolutely fine. The food, for example, another um, huge thing, right? Forcing children to eat. They will develop later in life, most likely binge eating or any kind of disorder because they have been told that they can't leave the table until they finish the plate. How do we know how big their stomachs are? <laughs> you know, like we can we can go on and on and on and on and on about this. Um, are you full? Yes, I'm full. Thank you. You know, would you like something else? No. Yes. <laughs> you know, like. They have right to decide um, for themselves, obviously, to to the certain level. Right, like like if if you if the kid is not eating their food, but you offer them dessert, and they go, yeah, then obviously they didn't eat their food. But so yeah, if if they say that they're full, then there should be no dessert, right? And a lot of people, I, I think that's where the health um, mindset starts going because. If we are always constantly giving the kids treats, like like we do a dog or a pet, that also can start to create eating habits for children. And later on, they're not eating well or, or they're eating improperly and they're making the wrong choices instead of eating healthy. So a lot of parents also, because they're running around going all over the place, they choose the wrong foods for their children oh let's go we don't have time let's pick something up something fast they go to the drive-thru and then the kids think that that's okay drive-thru is perfect but drive-thrus are not perfect unless you're choosing the right meals at the drive-thru depends what the drive-thru is right Mm, yeah totally i I have never taken my children to the drive-thru they never um, drank a coke and they never had a mcdonald's so I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have parents around me. They don't do that. So I don't, and I know there are so many others and obviously no judgment. So that is something for me. Yeah. Something what I consider a bad parenting <laughs> <laughs> confession, mate, bad Uh-oh. parenting, <laughs> yeah. give your child the sugar. Yeah. yeah. Sugar, sugar, sugar. <laughs> well, you know, it, it also can stem from what your upbringing was, right? So a lot of people, especially if if they grew up, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s, it didn't matter. People didn't really understand nutrition as we do today. And it was not important. People didn't think of sugar as bad. They're like, hmm, tastes good or salt, right? Those are the two things that will hurt us so much, sugar and salt. And so, yeah, I haven't been to... When I was a kid, I didn't know any better, and I used to go to McDonald's and all these other places, but there is no way you cannot drag me into one of those places unless it's been a month since I've eaten, right? Yeah. (laughs) Then I have to go for survival mode, but I will not go. I'd rather go hungry, even for a couple of days, than have to. If that was the only choice, I'd, I'd rather go hungry, and then I would go, okay. What do these places have that are going to be sustainable to my body, that are going to help my body sustain and live? So then I would go and choose and pick certain things. So my body reacts badly if it's, and, and you know, I do have a sweet tooth, but I've, I've really cut it out. And salt, if I have something that's very salty, I can't eat it. So my body knows what it can. It cannot sustain because my body reacts to it. But if I had not trained my body to do that, I'd be able to eat anything that's salty or super sweet. But I can't do that anymore because I've trained my body. My body knows, right? No, I just just wanted to say that I remember when I went um, when I went to states and um, we did the routes um, sixty six. You know, um, just like driving all over, spending um, months in California, blah, 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 blah. And I remember I was so hungry, so hungry. And I was just so sick and tired. And this is just something what my body is not used to. Eat in diners and, um, you know, obviously didn't do it on expensive 
um, badges because I was like, a lot younger. And I craved, <laughs> my body just craved something pure. And I found Starbucks. And in Starbucks, they had this wrap. And I remember I bought the wrap and I was just so happy <laughs> because that was the healthiest food. And it was Starbucks, obviously not that healthy, wow. but the healthiest food I could, I could find. And I remember I just couldn't wait to, to come back to England just to have like salad or something, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, one of the, uh, well, now, I mean, you see the commercials and I don't watch TV, but every so often, like if I'm watching a, a sports uh, event, a commercial will come on and it's about the healthy choices you can make at a fast food restaurant. And they're trying to, they, they realize that some people stop going to them. So they say, hmm, now we have to start providing salads or we have to provide something healthier. There, there's a, a very famous here in the United States place that they, it's called Chick-fil-A. And I'm not putting them down. It's just, I, when they first opened up near me, you couldn't even approach it. The lines were huge. You couldn't even get near it. And one day I said, oh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it because it's chicken. How bad could it be? Oh, my God. To me, it was so salty. I've never been back. I was like, I can't eat that. It was too salty. And everybody loves this place. I just can't do it. You said that, and I agree with you, kids could not do something for too, too long because their attention span is very short. They can't sustain doing something for a long time unless it's something they're passionate about. And, and then learning what kids can become passionate about can't just be the same thing over and over and over again. It has to keep evolving, right? So that's how my programs are. My programs are you, you go from one one position to the next position. So we call them belts, right? You go from one level to the next level to the next level. And it has to be progressive. How do you work when you're working with children? How do you keep them involved through progression? Time with the smaller children is based on time. You can't do more than 20 minutes. And as I said, do, um, I do things like seven weeks on and um, three months off, <laughs> mm -hmm. literally. Um, or just to do seven weeks um, twice, twice a year. Every little bit is beneficial. I think that's how I, how I look at it with all the children. Obviously, it goes longer because then you can do the gratitude journals. And, um, and there are so many other things you can do with the older children. But, but yeah, that's pretty much how we'll do it. Obviously, implement music, which is very important mm -hmm. with smaller children. Right. They because um, they keep them going, dancing, movements. Boys are different to girls. Boys need to move and jump around and scream. Girls can sit down for longer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I think it's very individual. But um, whatever group um, I am having or I was having, I just had to suss it out <laughs> uh, yeah. and figure out what, what they need, what type of children I have. If there is somebody who's smaller, I might need to put um, somebody who's um, older to kind of help them mix and match them mm -hmm. you know because if i had just three and a half year olds or four of them it just would not work so yeah right, right. so do you separate them by age as well like are you going to put a three and a half year old with a seven year old no 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 um so three and a half year old so we're talking about the primary school so we're talking about the nursery stages then we talk about the school ages so from um so primaries um sorry the nursery uh what do you call them yeah, nurseries. Um, you have uh, ages between two and a half, two and a half till four. Because when they're four, they go to school. But sometimes, obviously, their birthdays on different right. months. So they are four and a half and something like that. So, so yeah, so so those children, I would not mix them up with the older ones because there is a huge gap. Oh yeah, yeah. So just the just that, and uh, with the older one, um, you do want to work one to one. Um, depends as older they get, more time and more attention they need. How do you get the kids to meditate? I understand how you're using music to kind of capture them because everybody, I mean, if you don't love music, what is going on? <laughs> but for me, I think everyone loves music and it doesn't matter the kind of music. But 
How do you get kids to meditate? It's all about imagination. Are you sitting still? Lower the lights? How do you go about it? And I get the imagination part, absolutely. Yeah, the, so meditation is not only about sitting down and our eyes closed and not moving and breathing, okay? That's a fact. You can meditate walking, you can meditate dancing, you can meditate sleeping. <laughs> you can, mm-hmm. you know, there are so many different ways how we can meditate. There is impossible to get three and a half year old to sit down for 15 or 20 minutes and meditate. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's possible somewhere in the world, but in the current society where I'm living in, it's impossible. And I wouldn't want to do that to anybody because so, um, so yes, we do that through dance. We implement breath work. We have done a meditation, which was very, very simple. And that was for a three and a half year old. Um, and it was about sitting on a lily pad. Mm. So it's a frog, the frog sitting on a lily pad. And you just ask them to feel the lily pad underneath, underneath and how it's moving, you know, and just like start moving like a lily pad. And then obviously they are already concentrating on a lily pad, isn't it? And they can fill the water and they can, when we can talk about the breathing, you can breathe like a frog. So you breathe in your belly. Mm. Yeah, so you take a deep breath, but you're still sitting on a lily pad and you're still breathing. And then close eyes and hold a breath and now stop and tell me how it felt, you know, or breathe out. Or um, So there are so many exercises like this. Um, you can also pretend um, that it's a rain outside mm. and it's a storm. And how does your breath change? You know, it's all about being aware of your body. It's all about being aware of those movements. It's all about being aware of those emotions Mm -hmm. because those little exercises will help them in the future to understand things. Why do I feel like I am going to be sick because I didn't pass the test? Do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. So it's only a a little, little teeny tiny seed which just needs to be planted in their mind. So many children... So many children don't know what gratitude means. Mm. It says, let's do a gratitude practice. What are you grateful for? Uh, you know, what is, what, what? Okay, well, let's try with this. What are you thankful for? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or um, what are your sorries today? What are we sorry about? I am sorry today that I have shouted at my daughter this morning. You know, the fact that I am sitting there and I am, adult and i am here to tell you that i have done something what is wrong and i should have not done it but i have said that everyone around me has the same right to say that and there is no judgment and you can say what are you thankful for well i'm thankful for sitting here with you because i'm appreciating that you are sharing uh, sharing your stories and 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 your thanks so this is what the gratitude is Do you, i mean it's just um that's how you present it of course of course with that in mind we have to be storytellers, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because kids love stories, right? And it's, it's the involvement that they'll be in if there is something behind it, like a story. Like just even now, when you said, I yelled at my daughter, that brought a, a, a visual, right? So we're visual, we're auditory, and we're kinesthetic. I, I like the way you, you're doing it because you're making them sit on a pad. And then you're asking to feel it. And then you're asking to close the eyes and make believe it's raining and so forth. And there's so many, like you said, there's so many different ways. But you're, you're shaping their structure through a story. You're shaping the meditation through a story. And, and even the thankfulness and the gratitude. How do you work on mindfulness so kids become more mindful of their actions, even their thoughts? How do you work with that? Interesting question. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that because because again, mindfulness. It's uh, it's uh, what is what is mindfulness, right? It's about being mindful of your actions. It's about um, being mindful um, of everybody else around us. So, for example, the the example which I have used that I have sat down and I have said, "Well, my sorry today is that I have been shouting at my daughter." Um, did you say sorry? Do you know what I mean? So there might be there might be a question coming. Or if the question doesn't come in, I would say, and I did say sorry because it just was not very nice. So did you experience something like that? And and the funny thing is, and that brings me to the beginning of our conversation. If I haven't been brought up the way I've been brought up and I haven't had the upbringing, 
I would not be here and doing something what I love. Mm. Make sense? Of course. So, so I believe that whatever people are doing and they're making a living out of it, yeah, they they are able to buy <laughs> those <laughs> expensive cars and their holidays and all that kind of stuff. Right. They should be grateful for all the experience they have they have experienced and in the past. Yeah, and you know, I agree with you a thousand percent because some people take some of the pain they've had in their life and they think it over and over and over and over and over again and it makes them sad, it makes them angry, all those emotions. For me, the way I think of the negativity I've had in my life, it was to make me stronger. So I am thankful for the people that have done wrong by me. Because they've taught me lessons that I would probably never know. Yeah. Some of them were very painful. And you know what? I've become, I've come out better on the other side. Because I, I was, I was able to understand that I had choices when those things happen. And the right thing, what you have done over here, mm-hmm. and this is, this is when you wanted to talk about the coaching, right. is that you have not fallen into victimhood. And if you've ever been in a victimhood, you step out of it. And that's how you claim a power. And this is what I teach people to do. Right. Activate the soul and literally rise up from the ashes like, like a phoenix because that's, that is what is close to my heart. Right. But also, you know, forgiveness is huge. And a lot of people don't forgive the people that have done them wrong. Because if you can't forgive, then you hold on. And you're holding on to those terrible feelings that you had, that you went through. And anytime that comes up again, you're going you're gonna to relive it. But the minute you let go and you forgive, maybe you don't have to understand them. But maybe if you knew a little bit more, not that what they did was right. But maybe that's just the way they were brought up. Maybe that's the way they were treated. And they treated you that way. The great example you can use here, and I think many people will really resonate with this, is that um, it's very difficult to forgive somebody who has been abusing us in a relationship. Okay, So I think majority of the people have been in some kind of abusive past relationship. Right. And the lesson over here which we need to learn the most likely is that maybe the person is trying to show us that we need to appreciate ourselves a bit more. Okay. So, and, and I had a problem with this. I was thinking, how can I forgive? You know, how can I, how can I say it's like, it's still so, so painful. And I'm talking about what, 15 years ago, whatever. Right. And I can't forgive all this cheating, you know, um, whatever, whatever it was. And I'm thinking, yeah, but it did work because I appreciate myself so much, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's for example, um, another thing. Yeah. yeah, for me, somehow I was able to forgive. And I mean, really forgive. Where people say to me, how do you still talk positive about that person when they did all these terrible things about you? I said, because it was at that time. If I hold on to it, it's still happening today. I can't hold on. So I got to forgive and move on. That doesn't mean I want them back in my life, right? I don't want those people back in my life. But I can let go of it. Yeah. It- so letting go to me is forgiveness. Because if I don't forgive, I also, I don't have to forget about it. But I, I don't want to internalize it. I want to let go of it. Yeah. You know the famous saying, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much that's pretty much what it is. And I know, like at the beginning of of this interview, you were talking about the children, about the sexual abusement, and 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 any kind of abusement. And I'm not saying it is right. right. And I'm not saying that um, those souls have chosen this life to go through this specific situation, which are absolutely horrible. Because that is so cruel to say. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what I'm saying over here, they went through it to be able to be where they are now to help so many other people and make a huge change. I would not be able to do that because I haven't experienced all those things. Mm-hmm. 
you know? Right. And so, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to add that one. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. So when we talk about coaching, you realize that your passions are what drove you to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to someone who's interested in eventually maybe becoming a coach or seeking a coach? Because to me, coaching is so important that not only should you maybe look for a coach, we all have coaches whether we want them or not. The people who did wrong by me, they were my coaches, right? They coached me in what not to do. <laughs> so. Thinking about coaching, sometimes when we have good coaches, they're the ones that are going to help us level up to get to a better place, to understand things better, to do things in a more timely manner. Sometimes we need the help in order to get somewhere faster. Alone, you can do it sometimes faster. But together, we can go further. And that's huge. What are your thoughts on that? And tell us what you think about coaching. Yeah, no, totally. I think, um, first of all, how do we find the right coach? I think most of us are don't associate ourselves with um, with our parents and they were our first coaches, mm-hmm. correct? Because we went through certain stages in our life, experiences and development and all that kind of stuff, which shape us to the people who we are right now. Correct. And there is some kind of idea what we have on our minds. And this idea is um, what we want to be. Yeah, to find kind of that um, that life purpose. So what I would do is I would look for somebody who is doing what we want to be doing and approach them to be be our coach, somebody who we strongly resonate with. with um, and coaching, yes, what do I think about coaching? Um, extremely important. It's like a best friend, but you're paying for it. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. But it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic investment because they do care for you, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Even though obviously time is very expensive, we um, we do have to pay for those services. I was always very skeptical because I was thinking, I don't want to be paying somebody for something I can figure out myself. You know, I always had this attitude in the past: I can do it myself, but I can't because um, because I can't be a boss to my uh, to myself. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's nice that there are people who come up with they see things differently. They see things outside of you and outside of the box. So very, very, very important. Coaching is very, very important. But obviously there are so many people who get coaches coached uh, by so many coaches uh, for several subjects. So I think very important over here is to be direct with what you want. Maybe you do need to write down um, a list of things. What do you want to achieve? Where do you want to go? And start slowly ticking those things off and picking the right coach. So I don't know if this answers your question, but this is just me thinking loud pretty much. <laughs> Both, which is great. You know, for me, writing things down is everything because you can put your thoughts down, right? And then later on, you can come back and look at them. But a lot of times they, we call them fleeting thoughts because a thought can come in and if you don't capture that thought, it can get lost. So a lot of times, I'll even be woken up in the middle of the night and because I had this thought, which maybe was part of a dream or it was something. But so I get up and I write it down. And maybe I go back to sleep, maybe I don't. But then later on, I go back and I look at it. And I'm like, why did I have this thought? And then I can start to analyze my thoughts because that helps me understand where my mind is going, what am I thinking, or what, I had a moment six months ago, eight months ago, two years ago, and do I think the same now? So have I evolved from my previous thoughts? Have, have I grown? Or was that just nonsense? So writing it down, is, to me, is key. Yeah, you are most likely to achieve things as well if you write them down. So it has been scientifically proven. <laughs> uh, yes. That if you write things down, um, you are most likely to achieve them as well. Barbara, how can someone find you, dive deeper into this with you? 
So I am on Instagram, which is at Barbara May um, underscore. Barbara is spelled B-A-R-B-R-A or on my website, which is www.barbaramay.com. And I have a podcast, which is called The Barbara May Show. It's all about spirituality, sugar addictions (laughs) and old taboo topics um, out there. So anyone is welcome to contact me. And yeah. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for spending the time with me today. I really appreciate it. You have an amazing day. Thank you. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Thank you and I really appreciate your help.